Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. It's Deion Sanders. It's Colorado. But are you staying with HBCUs? It wasn't bam, bam. It was bam, bam. What if they go out and get Coach Prime? Thank my brother, Jordan Wade, for his lack of game. Had he taken a shot, maybe Beyonce will be singing on Malico Records right now. This ain't the YMCA. You know? <laughs> it ain't no participation trophies. Death threats because of a hit in a game. People are just crazy, man. NBA players waste way more than that, allegedly, in strip clubs and other places doing all kind of dumb We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Oh, mama, there goes that man. You ladies and gentlemen, star of our show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad that you are joining us for this edition. It's going to be a fun one, a lot to get into, and it'll be extra special, and I'll tell you why in just a second. But first and foremost, I want to welcome all of those who are coming aboard for the very first time. We certainly appreciate it, and we encourage you to be a part of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast community, and there's several ways that you can do that, including... Going to the website, wadeswordproductions.com, and of course, joining the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group on Facebook. You can hit me on threads at the Devin Wade, and the same for Instagram, the Devin Wade, and at Wade's Word on Twitter. So, all of those are wonderful ways to be a part of it. The group is really cool because you also have an opportunity to see poll questions that I post from time to time, and I'll ask you guys and get your comments on stuff. And a lot of people brag about their teams or headlines making the rounds in the world of sports. So, those are great ways, but a cool way and a wonderful way. And I need your help on this one. You can give us a call 24 hours a day on the sports line at 832-941-6614, 832-941-6614. You can leave a message, and of course, you may end up on the very next podcast. It could be a question, a comment, a rebuttal. If you want to respond to something you heard on the podcast, if you want to request what you want to hear us talk about. And and that's important because these days, so many things are happening right now that we can go in any number of directions. We are going to probably stay NFL heavy, but if you want us to concentrate on a team or college football or a conference, we can get into all of that. In addition to that, I can try to get guests in from around the country that may want to partake and be a part of that. In addition to that, you know, just what direction? Because we have baseball going on, NBA making headlines, and of course the NFL. So, so much is going on. I mean, gymnastics. I mean, just a lot. I mean, not that we're going to go heavy gymnastics, but so many things are going on, and we are versatile enough that we can head in any direction. So, give us a call if you have something that you want to talk about and you want to hear about, because we will certainly reach out and try to make that happen. So, this episode, I've connected with somebody that I have been trying to connect with for weeks now. Former Major League Baseball player Michael Bourne is here to talk about the Astros. Had a conversation with him a few days ago, and you're definitely going to want to hear about that as the Astros are getting geared up for another World Series run, a crazy wild finish to the regular season, and we get into some of those things and why the things happening to the Astros are happening. 
we get into all of that, and that's a great conversation. We're anticipating a visit from our guy from the special teams unit, Reggie Brown, former NFL wide receiver, swag great, a Alabama State all-time great. We'll get into a conversation with him like we always do about his beloved Miami Dolphins and a whole lot more. And, of course, we have our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. He is in the mix. We certainly appreciate that. We will hear from our sponsors. And finally, we will have on the Mono Award for the Big Dummy of the episode. So let's get started with some headlines. I know my headlines sound a little busted, but I'm a little bit under the weather. Took a flu shot and a COVID shot yesterday. And I think this is my body reacting, doing what it's supposed to do. So either that, <laughs> you know how you wait to the last minute when you think, at well, at least I thought I was exposed. I thought I was exposed to both the flu and COVID. Not sure which or both. And so I said, you know what? I panicked and I said, let me go ahead. I didn't panic, but I was like, let me go take the shot real quick. But it might be too late because I was exposed to some some germs, <laughs> some some air that may have been infected. So some sick people so or a sick person, but whatever. So that's been going on. Let me tell you, tell you this. And I know that you guys, uh, this is sports talk, but I got to tell you about me and my situation. So last week, we missed last week's episode. Last week's episode was just about done. And then, for me, tragedy struck. My dog of 12 years, Bentley, passed away. I had taken him to the vet that afternoon, and it wasn't great news. But we thought that we could buy some time to start some treatment on his heart. And I came and did my interview with Reggie, cut some stuff for the episode, and he started to struggle. So we shut it down for the night. And I got up at 2 in the morning, 2.30 in the morning, and my boy was gone. 12 years. So a year ago. And and I talk about my imaginary kids all the time, but um, my dogs were my boys. And I lost one last year, Shucks. I lost Shucks last year. It's been a tough year, surprisingly. Uh, I mean, not surprisingly, for any of you who love your animals. And then I lose my boy. So, yeah, it was was a rough deal because I had to stay up all night because, of course, you have to make accommodations for his remains. And, yeah, it uh, it was tough. 12 years. Now, I will tell you this. He has done a lot. He did a lot that was detrimental to my situation. He was a... Tough, tough dog. I probably never should have had the dog in the first place, but I took him, and he was a Welsh Terrier, and they have a lot of energy. And I'm not the energy guy, and I don't have a field that he can run in. I got a yard, but that's not big enough for a guy like him. But, yeah, it was uh, it was tough, so that happened. But the good news is the Astros win over the weekend. Texas Southern wins homecoming. I got a chance to call homecoming 2023. Big 52-7 win over Lincoln University. And, uh, yeah, so all is good. Texans win. Went to J.J. Watt to the game. And J.J. Watt was was inducted into the ring of honor for the Houston Texans. And what was the most exciting thing you would say, would ask me about that weekend or about that game? They raised the windows in the press box for the first time in about 12 years. And it makes all the difference in the world. So you talk about first world problems. I go to the games and I complain because the windows are closed and you can't get a sense of the game. But the game itself was really, really good. And it was really, I honestly concentrated more on the deficiencies of the Pittsburgh Steelers 
because they cannot run the football and they cannot stop the run. On those occasions that they had the Texans with third and longs, they got to the quarterback, they made life uneasy. But by and large, they didn't do enough good stuff. I thought they made a boneheaded call on fourth and less than a yard. I just thought that, man, this is a team that is a little bit lost and you're not used to seeing that and the way how bad they are at this point. You know they're going to get better because Tom teams always get better as the season progresses, but they have their work cut out for them and they have a lot to do. But let's talk about those Houston Astros. Houston Astros, it's, it's so amazing, this run. And I'm so afraid that people are just not appreciating it enough. Dusty Baker's caught grief all year long, and I don't get it. I mean, you could say there's some undertones there if you want to say that. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's he's just an old-school guy. Maybe it's just the way he carries himself that some people don't like, and he's not this, this, you know, this analytics guy that everybody seems to gravitate towards. He's a old-school baseball guy, and he's getting it done. And this was an incredible managing job by Dusty Baker this year because you did have Jordan gone for so long. You lost Luis Garcia. You lost Akiti for a lot of the year. He came back. My, Michael Brantley, gone. You lost Verland until you made the trade to get him back. And you still with Dubon and Jokes and, and a number of other guys. McCormick stepped up in a major way. So many guys made contributions to make sure that this team stayed afloat. And now, lo and behold, it took to the last day of the season for them to win the AL West. It's so exciting. Looking forward to it. Now, as we speak, we have uh, a date with the Minnesota Twins, and Carlos Correa gets to come back, which I love Carlos Correa. I have not heard that fact for a lot of years, that he was the dude. I wish he didn't have to leave. Payne has been a, a more than adequate replacement. He's not him. But we know that Correa is having some had health issues, and I think that those will be prolonged and career-altering injuries when you talk about some of the stuff going on with him. That's why he couldn't get the big deal and had to return to Minnesota. But as far as Hart, and, and he got that dog in him, and you want to go to war with him, Carlos Correa is that guy. So a lot going on in the world of sports. Uh, if you want to comment on the sports line on Colorado USC, we can. You can. 832-941-6614. I mentioned uh, gymnastics because Simone Biles returns, wins another world championship or world title, whatever the title is, but just a phenomenal thing that we don't talk enough about. And the men won the gold. Had a number of African-American gymnasts, too. They were doing work, and I saw the clips on uh, social media. Also, breaking news, Dick Buckus dies today in another loss among the pantheon of NFL greats. And he just he's one of those guys. And, again, the game had passed him by when you think about how he played, his intent. If you remember, I referenced him last episode. I talked about him and the video of him talking about Hush Hush Street Charlotte and and knocking the head off of a <laughs> off a quarterback and watching it roll down the stairs. I, I talked about that. Um, boxing, Charlo, Houston's own, A-Leaf's own. His gym is literally like a half mile from my home. So I'm about a half mile from, if that, you know, maybe, maybe a mile, maybe a mile, maybe, 
you know, anywhere between a quarter and a mile. But it's closer to the quarter than it is the mile. And uh, his gym is right around the corner. Just was no match by all accounts. I didn't see that because, of course, so many other things are going on. But, yeah, it's a lot we can get into. Whatever you want to get into, we certainly can. We haven't talked enough about the Dallas Cowboys. We haven't talked enough about uh, – well, and we will talk about Miami and Buffalo with Reggie Brown. But going to take a brief time out and come back with Michael Bourne. Yeah, I've been really trying to get him on the show and we finally got our schedules to work out, and we had a great conversation the day after the Astros clinched. So that was a few days ago. We did not know the Twins would win that series and are on their way to Houston for a matchup Saturday for game one. So we'll talk about that and a whole lot more. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anyway, you get your podcast. For past episodes or more content, go to wadeswordproductions.com. Your children are the most precious gift God has given you. Their well-being is of the utmost importance, and finding childcare that exhibits the same belief is, well, non-negotiable. So why not end your search at Brighter Brains Learning Center? Located in Stafford, Texas, Brighter Brains is a licensed, family-owned and operated daycare that promotes an early educational foundation and provides an environment of love, safety, and quality care for children ages 6 weeks to 5 years old. For more information, call 346-328-3717 or visit brighterbrainslearningcenter.org. It's Shelly Wade, and welcome back to Sports Talk with Devin Wade. reiterate and sort of stress the fact that I was probably a little too harsh on my assessment of C.J. Stroud. My boy Michael Swanks made me aware of that. He said, you know you got that wrong, right? And I don't know, maybe, like, okay, so of what I said publicly, I was just a little bit uh, not as optimistic. Probably what I said in private was probably a little bit more critical of C.J. Stroud, but I clearly have been wrong to this point. Now, again, it's a long season, but he looked great, and he has looked great. He's not turning over the football. But, then, again, to do, come to my defense, when I saw him up close in practice, again, his training camp, he just he didn't look ready. He didn't look like the guy. He just he didn't look like the guy. But now he looks like the guy. And, boy, was I wrong. And I was confident that D'Amico would have this – franchise and his team being a credible team Sunday in and Sunday out. I don't see or foresee a situation where they lose like uh, the Denver Broncos lost. I don't see that happening. And maybe you can start to put some more wins in the win column if you're trying to predict the remainder of the season. Two and two. Now, I will say I think Sunday was still more of an indictment of Pittsburgh when it comes to so many other parts of the game aside from what C.J. Stroud did, because C.J. was great. Nico Collins, they seem to be a tandem. If they can get Schultz, Dawson Schultz, involved a little bit more, he started to get a little active. He had a big catch for him. If they can get him active a little bit more, they can be an even more potent offense. But also, they are going to have to run the football, and Pittsburgh can't stop the run, and Pierce had his best day. If he can duplicate that effort that he had against the Steelers for the remainder of the season – They'll be in great shape. But to this point, three out of the four games, they have not been able to run the football. We'll see. But they have Atlanta. That's a 
man, that game can go either way. I'm going to go ahead and say the Texans will win that game. Let's transition to our conversation with Michael Bourne. I've been trying to get him on for a while, and our schedules just didn't click. He had a long career in the major leagues and uh, a stint in Houston where he was really, really good. He played between 2006-2016. He played uh, also internationally, and he played at Nimitz, UH Cougar, and he did his thing. He played for the Braves twice. He played for the Phillies. He played for the Orioles. He played for the Cleveland Indians. But, yeah, he uh, has been doing some television for the Astros, and I saw him. And I'm like, yeah, man, I really would love to have a conversation with him. And we made it happen. I want to thank Daryl Wade, family, nepotism, my cousin, uh, for making that happen, for connecting us. And I'm glad that he was able to join us. So here's that conversation with Michael Bourne. As promised here with Michael Bourne, can you believe what we just saw today? Have we ever seen anything like the comeback the Astros have had over the last four days to be the AL West champs? No, we haven't. Actually, yes, we have. Actually, I was on a team that actually did that to be the NL East champs. My first four seasons in the big leagues, we had seven games to go. and We were down six games, I think, and came back and we won, the, won the division. But to, this one was kind of just a little different. You know, um, they lost. Five out of six to KC. Everybody was down on that. And they came back, and they had to play Seattle. Had, had Arizona coming up. I mean, it was just crazy. With four games to go, you know, Texas was up. And had to play Seattle. And that's why it's important, you know, even when the kids are watching, you, you don't ever stop playing. You don't stop playing to the last game. So they say it's over with, you don't stop. Yeah, because they had that big comeback the other night that if that didn't happen while the Astros would be in the playoffs – that wouldn't have happened where they would be AL champs. So, I mean, you're exactly right. So l- let's talk a little bit about the Astros down the stretch because they did struggle against the Yankees and the Orioles and the Royals and the A's. What happened? What was, what's been going on with them? Because until this series, you hadn't had an opportunity to feel real good about where the team is. Well, I'm going to always feel good with what the team is because they've been through these situations before. This is the first time they ever had to fight for the division, though. Like, if you really look at it, like, since about 2016 or 17, they really had ran away with the division pretty much the other years. I just think that, you know, people don't understand that they played the World Series back-to-back years. You know, they won it last year. But when you play that long throughout the season, that is a long time. You're playing the whole full regular season, then you're playing the whole postseason to the end. So then you come back. Spring training is coming around. It's, it's short because you played all the way to the end of the postseason. Not only that, you also had the WBC this year. So you got to add on another couple weeks to that. Then we had injuries. So I actually, if you, you ask me, I think this year has been the most impressive year that Dusty Baker has managed. Because if y'all look at all the injuries the Astros actually dealt with, you know, before they got Berlander, Garcia went down, McCullers went down, Altuve went down. Jordan missed some time. Michael Brantley was out most of the year. And still, all in all, they found a way to win the division, man. They didn't have their team healthy for what, for maybe four to six weeks? Maybe? Maybe. You know, even when Altuve came back, he got hurt again. You know, so we, we I mean, when you really look, look down and break it down, you got to, I think Dusty Baker should be up a manage, managerial position of the year. And I've heard all this noise that people have been talking about Dusty and this and that. I'm like, man, y'all should be cheering this man on. 
Y'all should be cheering him on. He sticks to his guns. He sticks to what he knows to do, and it and it works every time he does it. It works. But why do you, why is it locally, especially, it, it does to get any backlash? It, because again, most real baseball fans understand the circumstances throughout the season, losing so many good players to injury. Why is he still catching grief? Look, I, I have no clue why he's catching grief. I, I don't understand that because, it, and it shows that most people, when they're talking about baseball, they, they don't know what they're talking about. He won the AL West again. So what else can you say to that when people have been giving him all his backlash for what he's doing? He has a lot of experience. Nobody's going to make the right move every time. Nobody. No manager has ever made the right move every time. But if you press the right buttons and you do what he did, he sticks to his guns, you know, Everybody said that he should take I even thought about it. I even said I thought Yonder Diaz should be catching. I came on air. But guess what? He stuck to Maldonado, and that's why I'm not managing, and he is. <laughs> like so, and, and he knows what he's doing. So I give him credit for what he's doing. And people can have their opinion. I can have my opinion. But I'm never dust I'm never uh bashing Dusty. i everybody knows I stand behind him. You know, he he knows what he's doing. He's been in that position over and over and over. And he just won it all last year. I don't get that part, you know. Somebody that won it all last year, you get in a tight spot, now everybody want to bash you. That ain't fair to me, and I go on the record and say that on any on any app. And you talk about, speaking of Maldonado, I mean, some of the defensive plays he made, even last night in a close ball game, he made up for his, and, and down the stretch, I think, he wasn't he batting 250 over the last seven or eight games or something like that? So, I mean, yeah, I mean, even with all of that defensively, he just, he's so valuable to this team, and he picked up his batting a little bit down the stretch. Yes, I agree. I, I think Yana is the, is the future. Yana Diaz is the future. But I have to say, when you're talking about coming down the stretch and then going into the playoffs and you go into a new catcher, I had to think about this myself. If you're going in and you and you come into, if you're trying to make a switch like that, and you get a new catcher like Yana instead of Maldonado. Now all the pitchers trying to get used to the way he calls the game, they to trust somebody else on. It's, it's just, they just don't have that camaraderie that they have with Maldi. Maldi's been there. He's their, he's, their, he's their leader, and that's why he's back there. You know. They have enough power in the lineup to get through the lineup. Not saying Marty's not a good hitter. He's a big league hitter at the end of the day. He's still hit. But he's probably not one of their top hitters. But when you're talking about commanding the pitching staff, what you want a catcher to be able to do is command the pitching staff and stop the running game. And he does both of those things. So when it comes to offense, offense is always a plus when it comes to the catching position. And that will never change. You know, he's doing what he should be doing. And I have to give Marty his credit. He showed up when it's time to show up. So you talk about all of the injuries. Let's talk about the guys that stepped up in light of those injuries, Dubon and, and so many others throughout the year. Can you talk about a few of those guys that really stepped up because they needed to step up if the Astros were going to stay in the race? That just shows you the depth the Astros have. You know, they, they stepped up with Dubon, and you have pitching depth that they have, you know. So you got Urquidy went down, but he's back now. You still have Hunter Brown that's doing good. You still have J.P. France that was pitching well. Uh, so Astros, one thing that people don't understand is they have a lot of depth. McCormick had a great year this year. So in those situations, and not 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 forget Corey Jokes, he had some 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 times throughout the season where he was very hot. You know these, and that's his first year in the big league. So they have a lot of depth in this Astros organization. So I really like what they've done throughout this whole year. I'm proud of them. I want to say congratulations to him, to Dusty Baker and his staff. Rightfully so, and everybody else that's out there talking bad about him should be congratulating them as well. 
Want to ask you about how fortunate was this team to get Justin Verlander back, and what does he do for the team other than what he went every fifth day when he pitches? Because obviously he adds to the staff and improves the team overall. What did that acquisition and getting lucky enough to reacquire him do for this team? Well, first of all, let's give a shout out to Dana Brown because he was the one that going knocking on on the owner's door to really get Verlander because he seen with Scherzer was getting traded. So. Yes, let's give a shout-out to Dana Brown because he deserves his flowers as well. This is his first year being the GM of the Astros, and what did he do? And won in the AOS. So I think that was a very important move. He's a leader on the field, of course. You see he pitched two big games down the stretch against the Mariners and the Diamondbacks and showed up in both of those games. But he's also a leader when he's in a dugout. Things he might see, things he could pitch up, pick up on just attitude-wise, body language-wise, because he's been out there, so he knows what that pitcher could be feeling. He can help him out when he's coming to the dugout and talk to him while he's in the while he's in the locker room. So he is a big acquisition, not just on the on the field. Of course, he is on the field, but off the field as well. And helping those young pitchers, you know, settle down in these big moments and understand uh, how to how to cherish the moment and you know go out there and not be afraid of the moment as well. So let's talk a little bit about the advantages or disadvantages of having this bye. Because I know sometimes when you're in an offensive rhythm, to be disrupted on the offensive side is uh, it can can be a problem. But conversely, I know sometimes when you get that rest for those arms, that could be an advantage. Is it mostly an advantage or a disadvantage to take six days off before you play again? This is nothing but an advantage to me. You know, I know the Astros, you can say that. I know what you mean by the disadvantage with them hitting wise, but you got professional hitters up there. But this rest that the Astros haven't had and been playing pretty much for their playoff life the last two months, they need that mental break. They need that relaxation of, you know, letting their body get fresh, get some massages, get some active parts done, be able to get in the cold and hot tub and plunge three or four days in a row without having any stress on the body of playing nine innings. Let Breckman get his, get his legs back on. He's been playing every day, really hadn't had a, a day off in a while. Let the pitchers arms get some rest, you know, get some treatment in the in the uh in the training room. Get the weight room, get in the weight room and you can hit the weights a little bit, let the body feel better. So I think it's nothing but a plus for them to have this this break coming up and they deserve it. So let's look at the landscape of the AL because, I mean, obviously this has to be almost devastating for the Rangers. You take a season that has been just really incredible for them until this weekend. Uh, how do you assess what will happen with them in the playoffs? Because they had it all in the palm of their hands, and they, they let it get away from them, and now they're in a very tough series uh, to open the playoffs. Well, this is where you're managing. They have an unbelievable Hall of Fame. Uh, manager and, and Bruce Bochy as well. So you have to give him his credit too. I think that's where he'll step in and try to get that team fired up and say, yeah, look, this this is what it is. You know, we're at where we're at. We can't get down on ourselves. We got to come in and face this team. But I think they face the Minnesota Twins, right? Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. So they'll be going in the face of Minnesota Twins. No, no, they, they have, have Tampa. They have Tampa. I think they saw oh, Tampa. With, okay. Yeah. That's a tougher team to play. So they, they'll be facing Tampa. But he has to get them ready to play no matter what. Like, you can't fold right now. You can't be in a in a bad situation, in a rut, because guess what? Tampa not going to feel sorry for you. Nobody's going to feel sorry for you. So you got to get your head out of that, out of that situation, out of that spiral that just happened, and, you know, get ready to play playoff baseball right off the bat. It's no feeling sorry for yourself. You try to prep the team up, get them prepared. Uh, all the coaching staff gets, the, gets them prepared, pitching-wise and offensive-wise and defensive-wise. And let's roll, basically. That's all you can do. So what's the best matchup for the Astros in the next round? And who's the team you're most concerned about when you talk about the matchup but moving forward? 
team I'm most concerned about moving forward in the AL, basically. Right, yeah, for the Astros. Uh-huh. AL, I would probably say the Rays just because of their pitching staff. I, I don't really think Toronto matches up good with them. I think Toronto can hit. But I think pitching style-wise, I just don't think they can match up with them. I don't think they can control the Astros' offense. I think the Rays have enough pitching. Even though they're missing their ace, a couple of aces, I still think they have enough pitching. I know a lot of people are not worried about Minnesota, but they did win a division. But I would have to say the Rays, maybe the Orioles. But I know it's the Orioles' first time being there. But the Orioles do match up good with with the Astros. So I would go between the Rays and the Orioles. I know that they're young, so that's the only thing that's going to make me say the Rays a little bit more. That's the only thing. But that could be a toss-up. I'm not going to lie. That part could be a toss-up. So you talk about the Orioles, and I thought for most of the season, yeah, I thought just like you, hey, it's no way that, I mean, this is their first year, and I thought that they yep. may even collapse down the stretch because of, of yep. the pressure of it all. But, I, I agree. Yeah, the same way. But the Yankees and the Red Sox, they never really kind of pressed them. Nobody ever really pressed them, so they sort of played with the wind at their backs. Talk a little bit about the difference between regular season and postseason baseball. Well, it's a total difference. I'm going to tell you what the biggest difference is to me is because in Major League Baseball, with throughout 162 games, you probably have, like, the Boston Red Sox sell out, sell out a lot. The Atlanta Braves have been selling out a lot, so they have a lot, they, they used to play in front of a packed crowd. But the Giants, they have a packed crowd. But a lot of teams, like the Rays, even the Astros sometimes, the Twins, they don't you don't play in front of a packed house every night, kind of like you do in football. So it doesn't really it's – not it's a little bit different. In playoff baseball, you play in front of a packed house, uh, like a crazy environment every night. And, you know, you have to get used to that a little bit. You have to learn how to calm the nerves down a little bit because, you know, being hyped up in baseball doesn't always work. You got to calm the nerves down, relax. So that right there would be a difference for, for the Orioles a little bit. But I have to give them credit, man. They play great all year long. You have to give them credit. I thought, like you said, I thought the Rays were going to win that division. I was wrong. But I did think the Rays would pull out the division. Now, uh, the Orioles end up winning it. They're doing their thing, and you have to take your hats off to them. And, yeah, I think they can present a challenge only because they're a little bit more healthy, too. They're not missing pieces in that lineup. They might be more of a challenge for the Astros, maybe. But I do think that that veteran leadership and that and being there more than once or twice or three times will take over if they end up matching up in the series couple more things before we let you get out of here. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, I mean, you're an older baseball guy. You you were in the game for, for a long time. Do you like the expanded playoffs? Because some of the purists say, hey, this is getting to be like the NBA, you know, with so many people getting in. Do you like it? Or are you for it or against it? I'm for it. I'm going to tell you why. Because we played in the wild card game. Actually, played, played in it three times. You play in one game. So now they play three, right? They play three in the wild card series instead of one. That one game, anything can happen in one game. That's just what I think. So best two out of three, that's a series, right, in the first round? Right. Yeah, so I think that's much better than just that one game. That one game, I mean, you're talking about anybody can just, something can happen in any any which way. So I at least like in the best two out of three. So I'm I'm a fan of the expanded playoffs. What about the expanded teams, having more teams in the playoffs, which that, you know, that started a few years ago, but having extra teams in the playoffs as opposed to. I'm I'm, I'm for it. You play 162 games. There should be more teams in the playoffs. That's a lot of games. So I feel like, yes, more teams should earn the right to go to the playoffs. I think that's fine. It's not like it's 10 teams. You know, it's just a couple more. Like that's, that's, 
I think that's better. So let me ask you this uh, about your relationship with the Astros organization. Obviously, you do some analysis on television, and that's uh, one of the reasons why I reached out to you. You were so uh, interesting and insightful that I said, hey, man, I got to get with this guy and, and of course, you know, get your takes on stuff. But do you have a special relationship with the Astros organization? Well, yes, of course. I'm always been attached to the Astros organization uh, throughout, you know, knowing people like Enos Cabell and the Astros organization, Bagwell, BGO. I mean, I you could go. I mean, Nolan Ryan and the Astros organization. So I'm going to always be attached to that organization. Getting to know Jim Crane a little bit. We've met a few times. No, no Dana. I met him a couple times. No Dusty for playing against him and being around it. So I know a lot of people throughout that organization, even before them, Drake McClain and all in the previous owner. I knew a lot of people throughout that organization because, you know, I played for them for three and a half years and it's my hometown. So I love it. You know, I'm I'm, I'm happy they're they're made they have this run. And I feel like people need to appreciate the run a lot more. I think sometimes as fans we get spoiled by the run, but you got to think this is not normal, you know, to go to the playoff this many times in a row. It's not normal. It's so many teams that don't even make the playoffs. If you look at the landscape of the whole Major League Baseball, but the Astros have made it like the last seven or eight years in a row. So don't get, you know, spoiled by that and think that it's supposed to happen every year because it don't happen every year for nobody. The Yankees didn't even make the playoffs this year at all. You know, that's a winning franchise. They got the most championships in the history of baseball. Did not make the playoff this year. So it can happen to anybody. So enjoy what these players are doing, what they're working for, these coaching staffs are putting in. And a lot of people just don't get to see what's going on behind the scenes. But I know what's going on behind the scenes. So I know the time spent. I know the stress that's going on. I know all that. So it's easy for everybody else to sleep good at night. It's hard for those players and coaches to sleep good at night sometimes. Telling you. So I think the scare kind of uh, made the fans who've taken this run for granted sort of uh, gotten them re-engaged because we were turning into almost like Atlanta, not quite Atlanta because Atlanta wasn't, at the, you know, when they had their run back in the day with Maddox and Glavin and, and that crew, you know, they would have opening round playoff games that weren't even sold out. I don't think we're quite as bad as Atlanta, but I do think that this scare of almost missing out or having to wait to the last weekend to win the title is something that re-engages the fans in a different type of way. You, do you agree with that one? I agree with you 100%, you know, and it's just not easy. It, it's really not. It's really not easy to, you know, to make it to the playoffs and do it over again. And when you got, you know, when you win a World Series, everybody's trying to beat you. You got a target on your back. And they still prevail. With all the injuries, with all the mishaps and all the stuff that everybody thought wasn't going to happen, they still prevailed and won, you know, so you know, get them some credit, man. This team, this team has some fighters on it, and they do it year in and year out. That's tough to do. I'm telling you, as a as a former athlete, that is very hard to do. Well, look, man, I really appreciate your time, and I look forward to visiting with you. We've worked so hard to try to connect between me traveling <laughs> and you doing all the things that you're doing, yeah. but I'm glad we finally made this happen. Now, on this podcast, we have a, a group of experts that we call the Special Teams Unit, and I, and I uh-huh. hope that you'll become one of the Special Teams Unit members. Where we, when we have something special that we need special insight for, uh, we can come to you and, and get That's that insight. It. Let's get it. And I, when I said 10 teams to make the playoffs, I want to make that clear. Like, I meant 10 teams on each side. Like, you know, like basketball, it's a lot more than what we get. Right. But I still think basketball playoffs is exciting, man. I, I think that just makes for more excitement. You know, playoff baseball is just – playoff sports to me is all exciting. I'm a sports fanatic. You know, I love sports, but baseball is my number one. But I love – I love all of them, man. I'm not going to lie to you. So, uh, I think fans should enjoy it, you know, like – Enjoy enjoy this Astros run. Enjoy this enjoy what this team is doing because 
telling you, it's not every day that you go to this many playoff appearances in a row like that. Yeah, well, like I said, this is a wonderful, wonderful run, and we look forward to it. I, I won't get any predictions unless you want to offer some. If you want to – I mean, because I want to visit with you throughout the playoffs, but do you have any right, any predictions? Not yet, not yet. I I got to I got to talk with a couple of people, and then we're going to have a couple of predictions for you in about – about, about a couple days. Well, hey, we look forward to visiting with you again. And, and there's so many things I want to ask you about your journey that we hadn't had a chance to get into. Um, but through, uh, along the way, we'll get some insight so people get to know you a little bit better and appreciate your accomplishments in the game of baseball because there's so many things that you have a unique perspective to provide for us. And I look forward to having those conversations. I love. I would love doing it with you. I love providing insight that people might not know just because I want the fans to know, you know, what really goes on. And I mean, I can't give everything, but I can tell you most things that people don't know, you know, just for, just from being on the outside looking in, you know, I can just tell about how some people talk, but like we can go over a lot of things and tell you about my journey and we can rock out anytime. Look forward to it. To have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614. Want to thank Michael Bourne, man. Welcome to the special teams unit, right? I wish I had a chain or a medallion I could give out, but I don't. So, yeah, just I. Hey, look, one of the guys that I think will be a great contributor to the podcast. Looking forward to hearing and uh, for you guys to hear his journey and talk about his path to the major leagues and his accomplishments. Two-time All-Star, man. He was a stolen base guy. He could steal bases, and uh, that is a re-emerging art in baseball. We can talk about all of that, and of course, the playoff push as well. So, look forward to those conversations. Going to take one more time out. Come back on the other side with Reggie Brown from Special Teams Unit talking some. I'm sure Miami Dolphins and a whole lot more, some NFL stuff with him. And then we have on the Mon Award for the big dummy of the episode. Here's some words from Cobank Holmes and our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anyway, you get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and Cobank Homes. The vision at Cobank Homes is simple. And it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832 757 7950. That's 832-757-7950. Cobank Homes from Keller Williams.
DJ Anarchy on the mix. And of course, if you have music you want heard on the podcast, if you're a fledgling DJ or an artist and you want your music exposed to the thousands and thousands of people all over the world who tune into this podcast, just email us music at wadeswordproductions.com. Music at wadeswordproductions.com. The genre doesn't matter. We'll play a snippet at the halfway point and an entire track on an extended portion of a mix at the end of the episode. That's my guy, man. DJ Anarchy, check him out. So with that, let's get into a conversation with another member of the special teams unit, Reggie Brown. Here's that conversation. And I'm glad you showed up, man. Tough, tough weekend for your Dolphins, but you are a man of honor. So win, lose, or draw, you're going to be here. What happened to your Dolphins? You know, reality set in. You've had a week where you put 70 on a team and you're riding on top of the world. And then all of a sudden, your arch rival Buffalo Bills come, you know, you, you end up in Buffalo and and they just beat the brakes off us. There's no way else to say it but that they totally demolished us in all aspects of the football game. But, you know, it's early. And um, I'm, you know, if you're going to have something like this happen, you prefer it happen early in the year. And uh, we're going to learn from it and get better. I ain't got no worries about what's going on down the season. So do you, is it a thing where the Bills own the Dolphins or this is just something that is surmountable that you can overcome? Man, Josh Allen, he has just been a beast against the Dolphins, man. And, you know, it's like any other thing to, to be the champion, you got to beat them. And until we beat them, we will always be second fiddle in the AFC East. So, you know, I can say they own us until we beat them. Well, let's talk a little bit about what's happening close to home. We were, I know I was, and and I think we were a little bit more measured in our assessment of C.J. Stroud. But what an outstanding start for that young man. He's getting it done. And is this more about the opposition or more about the young man? Because obviously whatever's going on in Pittsburgh, they are having some major problems on both sides of the football. What do you think? Well, I think two things can be true at the same time. I think Pittsburgh defense wasn't as dominant as we thought it would be at the start of the season. You know, they're missing some guys and offensively they're not getting any help and the defense is on the field a whole lot. And then I think um, CJ is just playing some football. You know, he's a rookie who's making some plays and that's all you can ask for. Don't turn the ball over and make plays when it's there. And I think he, in this game at least, he even went above that. He created some plays. And so shout out to him and shout out to the Texans organization. You know, many people, myself included, said sit the young man on the bench. They said he was ready and he's proven them right. Man, I can tell you, I've never seen a transformation in such a short time. Because when I saw him up close in practice, he just uh, he he looked overwhelmed. He looked overmatched. You saw him in training camp as well. He looked like he was trying to figure it out. And not that that's not a normal thing for rookies, because it certainly is. The thing is, he's actually figured it out or figuring it out at a higher pace, a faster pace than we anticipated, he is really playing some good ball. So I owe, uh, I don't know if I owe apologies, but I, I certainly need to give him his props because I was not as high on him. And, and before the Texans acquired the third pick, 
I thought they should go Will Anderson and pick up a quarterback down the road, maybe an Anthony Richardson or whatever, who it looks like that's a two-man race through the quarter pole. Not quite the quarter pole because they play 17 games now. But it looks like a two-man race for a rookie of the year on the offense side. I mean, maybe that's a little bit premature, but CJ certainly is that dude right now. Well, I, I would say this, that uh, some guys – just show up when the lights come on you know what i mean and practice they might look like this or that but that guy has been a winner his whole life and so he's just proving that that's just who he is and it seems like the organization is working for him we're not used to that here in houston since the inception of the texans with david carr not surrounding him with what he needed and just never really getting it right and now you have D'Amico, and that seems like whatever's going on, it, this is a quality franchise through four games, whereas you look at what's happening with Justin Fields, who's played a couple of years, and his struggles in Chicago. You look at Bryce Young, who's having his troubles. I, I don't know. It, the troubles with those guys, are they more attributed to the organization or the young men themselves, especially Bryce Young? What do you think? Well, I think that, again, particularly with Chicago, both things can be true at the same time. I think he has to get his game together. You know, you in the, in the NFL, you got to be able to stand in the pocket, read defenses, and throw the ball, and he's not proving that he could do that. And I also think that the Bears got to, you know, help him out a little bit. Now, they have went out and tried to get some players in the offseason to help them, and they've had some injury situations. But, you know, he's he still got a ways to go. And then with Bryce Young, you know, we said that with him, he should have waited and sat behind maybe Dalton. And, and, and that seems to be proven probably the best thing for him because where C.J. Stroud has looked like he can handle it, Bryce just looked like he's overwhelmed and, the game is a little bit too fast for him. Yeah, and again, you'll have to see what happens with that franchise. I mean, Frank Reich obviously is a, a a qualified head coach, and he knows what he's doing, although he had the struggles in Indy that got him run out of there because they couldn't get the quarterback position right. And, but not, that wasn't all during his era, but they couldn't get the quarterback position answered appropriately until this Anthony Richardson, at least it looks like that to this point. Have a couple of three-and-one teams. I want to ask you about, and which one is the most surprising, Tampa Bay or Seattle when it comes to, like, both of those teams are 3-1, and one, and I know who I think, but what's your take on it? Well, I think that Seattle and what they do over their travels, right, they're going to play hard-nosed defense. They're going to run the ball, not make mistakes, and stay close, and that's been a staple for them. So it's I'm not surprised that, they have been as competitive as they are. This Baker Mayfield-led Tampa Bay team is totally surprising. You know, Baker, what was he, third string last year, demoted and, you know, ran out of Cleveland, et cetera, et cetera. And now, at least for a fourth of a season, has been rejuvenated in Tampa Bay. So they really have surprised me. I, I looked at them like they would be a draft a lottery pick now. Losing Mike Evans is going to hurt bad, so we'll see what happens moving forward. Yeah, and, and I, I agree with you exactly. I mean, Baker Mayfield, 
who I've always had uh, not a big fan, never been a big fan of his. I thought all of that bravado, it reminded me of Johnny Football, although he's a better passer than, than Johnny Football. He's better, but, you know, all of that other stuff was way unnecessary. And I thought even with Hugh Jackson as his, his head coach when he first came to the league, I, I just thought that he kind of did him a disservice with his, his arrogance and, and not really – you know, I don't. it just didn't feel right the way he responded. He's been humbled, and that takes place for a lot of guys sometimes. you got to be humbled, and it looks like he uh-huh. is. But, yeah, they could be in the mix. New Orleans, who, who, you, I mean, you can't – I wouldn't say Atlanta's in the mix. In the NFC South, one of these teams has to go to playoffs. Tampa, New Orleans, uh, Atlanta, not Carolina. But three of those four, we're really, really early. But what do you think to this point? Man, I really – you know, the NFL is a quarterback-driven league. And that being said, I would say David Carr is the most accomplished quarterback. So if I had to say right now, I would pick New Orleans. But it's something about that New Orleans team that I, I'm sorry, the Atlanta team that I like. Bijan is a beast. They got some capable weapons. Certainly they laid an egg last week over in, um, was it Germany or Italy or England, wherever they played at. But I do like the Atlanta team, and I think that in the end they're going to be there. Yeah, well, I mean, they had the Texans this week. Are you picking upset special there? Who do you think is going to win that one? Because Ritter's young, too, is at quarterback. I don't think that whoever wins that game, I don't think it's an upset either way. I would say Vegas probably has the Texans by two, maybe. Who's the home team? It's in Atlanta. So, yeah. so then Atlanta probably – it's either even or maybe even plus, you know, Atlanta's probably favored by a couple points. Either way, I don't think that's going to be an upset either way who wins. Because, you know, the Texans have looked, what are they, two and two now? Yeah. You know, but, you know, they haven't done anything that we can, they don't have a signature win yet. Well, I'll take that back. Jacksonville was certainly a big win. Um, on but, the road, yeah. Yeah, on the road. So we'll we'll see. Yeah, it's hard to, to know because, to me, to this point, Jacksonville is the most disappointing, followed by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Not that you had – I mean, Cincinnati's in the mix, too, for the most disappointing team. But, obviously, Joe Burrow's not healthy. Let's talk about Pittsburgh because I saw them up close. They could not run, and they couldn't stop the run. And that is so atypical of a Steelers team. What is going on with Pittsburgh, and can it be fixed? And is it time to make some serious moves – and maybe regime change in uh, Pittsburgh. What do you think? Because I'm hearing rumblings. Well, you're hearing rumblings because apparently people get tired of greatness. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, you know what I mean? I mean, have they had a losing season yet? I would, did they have a losing season last no, year? No, I don't think. No, I think. So, let me see, oh, so what the co- eight and seven, nine, yeah. and, nine and seven. Yeah. So the coach has never had a losing season in his tenure as the head coach, the longest tenured head coach in the NFL, and now they're having rumblings about firing him, Tomlin, is crazy. Well, Canada, Canada got to go. I know that. I will see. Oh, I mean, you know, he's been run out of everywhere here lately, so he's going to have to do something about that. And knowing Tomlin, he might take over calling the play some, at some point this year to try to get him back going. 
but no, you don't fire Tomlin. It's it's interesting because you look at that team from a paper standpoint, and you think Najee Harris is a you know better than average running back. Kenny Pickett is an up and coming receiver. The quarterback uh, is a great you know up and coming quarterback. So you think that they're going to do better. And it just hasn't, you know, manifested itself yet. Well, I will say this. They had 48, roughly 48 yards in total offense in the first half. And they came out in that opening drive and they really got it going. And I will say this. When the Texans were off schedule, when behind schedule on third and longs, uh, it looked like the Texans still really did have problems trying to block those guys because they have that that pass rush ain't going nowhere. It's just that they're not stopping the run. And I know a couple guys might be hurt, but, yeah, that's a, a tough one. Let me ask you about the big game of the week, and that's the Cowboys and the 49ers. What's your take? Who you got? Man, it's going to be hard to bet against 49ers, Doc. You know, they got that, you know, a number one defense, you know, Purdy at the helm. You know, they're proving just get them somebody who can play and he, they'll be good. But he's actually playing at a high level, which makes them really, really dangerous. I mean, you think about Mr. Irrelevant is now 11-0 and 0 in, in regular season, I think it is. I mean, that is freaking nuts for him to be doing that. But when you have Debo Samuels and Christian McCaffrey and uh, it, what is the other D- Kittle, the Kittle. Well, you got Kittle. You got Tiny, Kittle. You got Ayuk. Yeah, yeah, Ayuk. And then that defense with you, man, you know, they going to be tough to beat. you going to have to beat San Francisco because they ain't giving away. They're a well-coached football team. They play football the right way. I see – San Francisco and Miami in the Super Bowl, if you're asking me today. Okay, yeah, that was one of my next questions. Is mm-hmm. it San Francisco, Philadelphia, or the Cowboys? I mean, right now, it's the two with the 49ers and the, the Eagles. But, yeah, it's going to be a whole lot of fun. I want to ask you, you mentioned this, alluded to these games overseas. I don't know, man. I don't know if, I, if, if I'm just old-fashioned. And I hate seeing home fan bases lose a home game when they're only – eight regular season games, well, sometimes nine now with the uneven schedule. But I guess it's the right thing to do. But also I think that the NFL is starting to really test itself with games not being available to the masses or make you make it really, really difficult. I mean, you had to have ESPN Plus to watch the game Sunday. You got to have Prime to watch the Thursday night games. What do you think? I mean, is the NFL sort of stretching themselves too thin or being a little bit too greedy or what? Hey, man, Beyonce tickets costing $4,000, man. When you the hottest ticket in town like the NFL is, people going to want to watch the games. Jacksonville loves their fans. Atlanta loves their fans. They're going to pay to watch the game, you know what I mean? And then you look at it also from a revenue perspective, you know, how much money did the NFL make being in Europe? You know, how many how much revenues did they how many jersey sales prior to that game? And how, uh, I looked at the stadium, everybody in the stadium had on the damn jersey. So how I much mean, is that going pretty, to the players too though? I mean, any of that trickling down or we I mean obviously, you know Well, I think it's trickling down to the fact that the these $50 million quarterbacks got to get paid from somewhere. <laughs> so, so, you know, all of that money that they're, they're, you know, getting is going to the players. 
And, you know, obviously the billionaires and millionaires making all the money, right? And it's the fans who, to your point, is getting screwed because we're having to pay, as you said, for NFL Prime or pay for YouTube. Or this or this. But it's an addiction, and it's an addiction that ain't going nowhere. The NFL is the hottest ticket in town, and people are going to just watch the games. And I mean, you think about this. Every Sunday, I'm barbecuing and getting my beverages, and, and I'm setting up for the game. You know what I mean? And it just is what it is, and I don't see that that's going to change any time. And if you're talking about what, and I see it sucks for Jacksonville because aren't they staying over there for two games in a row? Yeah, something like that. I, I don't know. They screwed them. But, again, they weren't any good when they started to make these deals too because – they're just getting good again. I mean, this is probably these deals were made during the Urban Meyer era. <laughs> so yeah, when this yeah, was a yeah. collapsing franchise, I wor well, I don't worry about any of it because it's not my money. But this is the first year I did not have Direct TV in about fifteen years. I did the, the, the Direct Ticket. I did not get the ticket on YouTube. I just wasn't sure that the quality would be good enough that they would have it down. And I haven't heard anything one way or the other. I wonder how much their numbers have fallen off. I would imagine the numbers have fallen off on purchases because so many people had DirecTV just because of the ticket. I, I was one of them. Well, that was the same thing for me. I had the ticket just for that. And when the ticket left, when the NFL you left. Left, <laughs> left direct, I left with them. I should have. I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch every Dolphins game every Sunday. I don't care what's going on. And Let me tell you how they the got me. Line. This is how Direct TV got me, right? So they said, okay, well, you lose the NFL. We're going to give you Red Zone for free, and we're going to give you all the sports channels, which I had most of them, but we're going to give you every baseball game. So I you had know, every baseball game on top of that. So, when they told me that, I said, bye. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> speaking of baseball, man, you've been quiet since what? Since what, June? When your team, the Yankees, were, were like, it was like obvious that they weren't it. But you got to give these Astros and Dusty Baker some credit, man. I talked to Michael Bourne, former Major League player, a little bit earlier in this episode. Man, how about those Astros, man, and that dramatic way to win the division on the last weekend? That, but I I mostly feel really really good for Dusty Baker. You know I, I'm a I'm from um, you know I live in Houston and to some degree I'm a homer. So when the Astros are doing well or the Texans are doing well, it's good to be in the city. But you know I'm a Yankees fan and it sucks right now. And Hal needs to sell the franchise. You know he's not <laughs> his daddy's child. You know his daddy you know, was serious about winning and his dad didn't care about the money and certainly how a billionaire 19 times over don't want to pay nobody to come and I'm just over that. I'm just over it. But, you know, we'll be back. Yeah, <laughs> but until back. then, you can, you can come on board uh, the Astros bandwagon. You know, it's easy <laughs> to get, the, you know the way. You know how to drive downtown. <laughs> so, um, I want to ask you, obviously, sort of breaking news, you know, Dick Buckus died and i have and i've mentioned this before when i started covering you guys it was cool and it was you know 
but you get over it quick because you have to have a job to do and you're around guys and you're in locker rooms. You get to know them. But I never lost my reverence for the old guys. I interviewed Jim Brown. I interviewed Deacon Jones. I mean, it, I met Gil Says in a story that I've told several times on the podcast. I mean, I just had a reverence for those guys because they are the building blocks of this sport, they made it a you know popular enough and made it able uh, you guys able to make the kind of money that you did because of the greats, the sort of the guys, the the legends, the icons. We lose another one today with Dick Buckers. What are your thoughts on uh, on his passing? Man, you know, it, it's it, I, you know I don't know what to say about that because, like you said, when you have a guy like Dick Buckus who just played the game the way that you're supposed to play football. Mind, body, and soul, totally invested, committed to something bigger than itself. And, you know, to lose a guy like that is just really, really tough for football. And he deserves everything, every accolade and every sentiment that is spreading around the NFL family this year because this game wouldn't be – anything without guys like him i mean they really really set the tone and and you know too the thing for me when we lose dick buckets it really reminds me of a time that football was played a certain way yeah and that that day is gone yeah you know no doubt so who was your who was your first guy your your first football guy cuz i'm i'm too young to remember those guys other than as any other person when you were our age you had access to learn if you had to go to the library and read a book you picked a book about football you know what i mean like like you didn't know those guys you didn't see those guys but you knew you just gravitated to them. i'm sure you're just like i am in that way who but who yeah. was your first guy that you watched and that was your guy that you helped make you fall in love with the game of football there were two, Zonk and Warfield. You might be too young. Now, nah, I remember Warfield and Zonka. Kick, I don't remember <laughs> Kick as much when he was with Zonka, but I remember the greasy. Zonka was sort of at the end when I started to really remember him. Yeah, yeah, man. When I was in, in 76, again, that sounds like forever. It's crazy to just say something like that. But in 1976, you know, when I I was six years old and really starting to get into football, and he was at the, again, you know, tail end of his career, but was still a beast, man. And Zunk played, again, played football the right way. And then Warfield, receiver, who, when I was a young guy, going outside and playing in the streets and in the backyards and at, in the church field, you know, say I'm Zonk and write 42 on my T-shirt and my mama would go crazy. <laughs> you have that T-shirt up, you got to wear that under your shirt, your church clothes and all of that. But, yeah, those were my two guys that really made football, made me say I love the game of football watching them play. Well, my guy was, love you, Blue, man. It was Big Earl. And look, man, let me tell you, I mean, and I came along and I just, you know, that's when I really started to remember. And I mean, my heart was broken with the two Pittsburgh losses. And then my first Super Bowl I attended was the one in which um, the Steelers beat us, the Oilers. And then uh, 
the Rams beat Tampa Bay and Doug Williams to go to the uh, yes, to the Super Bowl, yes. and so yeah, I you know, but it was it was Earl. It was no doubt it was Earl. Love you, Blue. I grew up maybe maybe three miles from from the Astrodome, and it was just you know, he, you know the song, the pom poms, Monday Night Football, the you know, it was all of that, man, and that is what made me really really fall in love with the game. And I remember like the first time I met Earl, you know, it's just, it's a weird thing because I've interviewed a lot of people, man, from Floyd Mayweather to, to Shaq, to Jordan, to dream Drex, all of these guys. But it's something about those guys. When I meet those guys, they just, it's almost like a, a, a glow is around them. Like, you know what I mean? And it's, it's, and I think it's just because of the, the age I was, that I was when I fell in love with the game and, and with those guys, you know, because I was six, seven years old. And, and you know, so there's no connection like the connection you have during those years. You know, it's going to be different. And when you become man, an adult. Man, I remember the old NFL films, man. And when they would say, take them. Buckets, you knew a hell of a hit was finna come, and he was finna knock the hell out of somebody, man. You know, so, I referenced his him in the last <laughs> podcast because I talked about how we were making a big fuss over the kid hitting Travis Hunter, and I was talking about what led up to. I mean, this is the game. The game was built on violence, so like, let's not forget the DNA of the game. Even though the game has changed dramatically. The DNA was was Dick Buckus, and I talked about how he did this video on NFL Films, and I know you might remember this, where he talked about envisioning knocking a quarterback's head off yes, and head, rolling down head off. <laughs> yes. And they head showed off. this every year. This was seen every year, man. So that's the DNA of the game, and that's what I kind of – although you can't go back, you don't want people to you, – you want people to understand how we got here. So when you do see a hit that's questionable, you don't lose your You know what I mean? The dude said, I'm going to knock his head off. <laughs> and, <what? laughs> and I want to see it roll, roll down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> and he meant that. He and did. He played like that. He did, man. <laughs> yeah, that's man. Wild. <laughs> yeah, that's wild stuff. Hey, man, we certainly appreciate it. We look forward to talking to you real soon. Hey, man. Love the special teams. Thanks. Let's go, bro. To have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614. One thing, Reggie, as always, but let's pivot and get into the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to the player, team, entity, someone in or around the world of sports we deem to be the big dummy of the episode. Well, one of the most disappointing teams in the NFL are the New York Giants. And on that, one of the most disappointing teams, the most disappointing unit is probably the offensive line. And on that most disappointing unit, on nearly the most disappointing team in the NFL, is Evan Neal. The most disappointing right tackle on the most disappointing unit on one of the most disappointing teams in the NFL. And that's not a problem. Look, somebody got to be at the bottom. It's only 32 teams. Everybody can't be top 10. They're struggling right now, and he's struggling. And I get it. But what you don't do is what he did. Of course, he had a bad game, and the fans started booing. So what do you go to when you don't know what the hell you're doing and you have no real-world experience? You start 
taking it out on the fans and the critics. Here are some of the quotes. One quote, quote, most critics really don't understand the game of football to the level that we understand it in this building. So why would a lion concern himself with the opinion of sheep? I'm just going to focus on Evan and getting better. I honestly don't care what anybody has to say about Evan Neal because they're going to talk anyway. So that's cool. So you dismiss the critics. That's a fallacy to say, okay, well, and, and I know you can't be sensitive to everything because we have like a guy like Kevin Durant that seems to be sensitive to a lot of stuff. That's a different conversation. Not picking on Kevin Durant. Like Kevin Durant, he's not the subject of this Lamont Award. But he goes on to say, he says, quote, people tag me on stuff all the time. He says, so it's like, yeah, I see it, but I genuinely don't care. Why should I? I'm in the National Football League. The person commenting on my performance, what does he do? Flip hot dogs and hamburgers somewhere? End quote. So there you have it. That's what you don't do. LeBron did it after he lost the championship. He's like, hey, man, I'm still a rich millionaire, and tomorrow you'll go back to your job, you know, in construction, or whatever the hell he said at the time because we lit his ass up for that. But, again, he learned because you have to learn because, A, why go after the people who are upset with you that pay your bills? Who is wearing the jerseys? Guys that flip hamburgers, guys that do plumbing. Yeah, you have guys in suits and lawyers and all. You have all sorts of people, but you have to appreciate that people put eyeballs on you. They support you so you can make the money that you make. And if you don't understand that, you are an idiot. But he's young. And again, a lot of these guys have not been in the real world. And what I mean by that is they've been so insulated because of their talent. And to some degree, you get it. Because if you are a star high school player, you are insulated from certain things. Now with NIL deals and all of the stuff that comes with being a high-profile college athlete, you don't know the struggle. So you are separated from the people. Now once you start to make millions of dollars in the NFL, you are further insulated from real folks. And that's a huge, huge deal. And I think they got into his ear because he apologized quickly. But he was just young and really, really dumb. Do you know where your money comes from? If every burger flipper didn't show up at the stadium, it'd be a problem. If every burger flipper or chicken fryer or subway sandwich maker didn't watch over time that would be a problem for you guys and you couldn't make the money and people in the know know that they know yeah obviously we want to sell ads and we want to sell tv deals but the tv deals are only being bought because of the viewership because people are watching and if you don't appreciate your fan base you have problems so hopefully somebody got in his ear because i'm not gonna just hang him out the dry but to just sort of invalidate everybody's opinion when anybody who knows anything about anything know that you suck right now. Not that you can't get better and not that anybody that is criticizing you can do better. But this world of sports exists in a vacuum. You cannot look at it like, oh, you can't do what I do. But that's what we do as a society. You have people every week watching the voice or dancing with the stars that can't get up out, out of their seat, but you need those people to watch and support the program. He'll get it. Maybe this is a harsh lesson that'll keep him in the news, but if he keeps this kind of thing up, he will not be in the NFL for long, but for this week, he is a big dummy. You big dummy. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, 
know you don't know better. It's, it's not your fault, but you need to know that who pays your salary. And yeah, they don't buy luxury boxes, but they watch those games and they rock those jerseys and they rock that gear and they watch you every Sunday and alter their lives to support the Giants. And you guys have been letting them down. Don't go after them. Check yourself. Check yourself. Well, that's it for this episode. But before I let go. Before I let go, hey, want to thank Michael Bourne, want to thank Reggie Brown, want to thank DJ Anarchy, want to thank Cobain Combs, Brighter Brains, want to thank you guys. Thank you so much. Want to remind you, you can call us at the Sports Line on the Sports Line, 832 941 6614, 24 hours a day. Leave us a message, a comment, a question, a suggestion. In addition to that, Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page on Facebook and, of course, Wade'sWordProductions.com on Twitter at Wade's Word on IG and Threads, The Devin Wade. And if you can't remember any of that, please remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after 6 o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. (laughs) This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening.